Hey, it's a work in progress, okay? <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Hello, owls. Hi, Dan. Got you guys Twitch mute. <laughs> Sharker. Oh, wow. So, how do we sound? Look at the hideousness. Which one? He's talking about me. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, he he's talking about me. He's not talking say, about you. I was about to say, do I need to fix my hair again? Like, <laughs> I do. Oh, why? Well, thank you, Grace. So, how do we sound now this week, Good. guys and gals? Good. I can't hear an echo. Yes, because Joker went out and did the Beyond, and I have my own microphone and headset and headset. Because I've been working constantly. <laughs> and your own boom arm, which I'm actually going to switch with this boom arm. So you're going to get my old one. Nice. I'm okay with that. But you also are also using, or you are also using the new XLR cable. Fancy. Yeah. So, yeah. And I have mine here. I just haven't hooked it up yet. Dang. So eventually when we move the podcasting part of this out of this room, mm -hmm. we'll have, I'll have three XLR cables so I can just kind of move between them. Okay. So I also, I want to teach you some things about that go or the stream deck up there. Oh God. So you see where the BRB button is? Yes. You see the button below it that looks like pages? Yes. Tap that. And then tap the record button. Right now? Yes. Oh, okay. Why is my phone? Oh, okay. I'm like, why is my phone vibrating? Yep. Yep. Perfect. See, it popped up up there. You can move that in and out too. I know. I just don't want to make a. I just don't want to like. You don't want to do any extra work, is what it is. Do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Madhouse Presents Group Therapy, a podcast where we talk about the different nerdums that make us who we are. From games, movies, or anything, really. Sit back, grab a coffee, a beer, a glass of wine, or maybe an alcoholic beverage or non-alcoholic beverage, whatever you choose. But uh, sit back, grab a drink, and enjoy the chaos. Oh, ready for this? Dun dun dun. did the intro on the audio interface so now i'm gonna have to cut it out so it sounds better for the actual recorded version <laughs> for the regular audio listeners out there oh, man. maybe i'll leave it in who knows yeah we'll see yeah we'll see uh so guys welcome ladies gents he's she's they's them's or all the fucking above and under who knows and right everything in between all you crazy son of a bitches that actually listen to us from time to time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. That's all you got to say? Yeah, pretty much. Hello. All right. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about my favorite of the uh, newer X-Men movies, X-Men First Class, where we get to see Magneto's backstory. Um little bit again um, though right because didn't they do a something similar or the they did the they did the um where he bent the um the fence the fence they 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 showed that part but that was it after they hit him with the butt of the gun then he's like knocked out that was it we didn't see anything that in x-men first we'll class get we'll get, they get more into it yes so one thing that I was kind of questioning myself when I uh, was watching it was, 
Wasn't that the exact same scene as the original movies one that they showed? I'm not entirely sure because it looks so similar, yeah. but I think it's a different, I think it's the same um, kid. Like, yeah. like in X-Men, but like, no, no, not like the well, same kid. Well, it could have been because it's over 10 years later. I think they just um, uh, redid it, remade it exactly like it. Because they did it almost to a point, like to a T for it. Yeah, because when they showed the original one, what, which one was that? Was that the original X-Men movie? I can't remember now. Mm-hmm. Or X, it was X2, I think. I think so. So 2003 to 2011. Yeah. So that's about... Math is not my forte. Eight years. Yeah. Maybe. Wait. Eight. Yeah, eight years. Yeah. So I think they just mimicked everything from that scene to the new scene. And if they re- if they did the use the same footage for that one, then they must have like enhanced it. Yeah, I think that they enhanced it and maybe gen- like CGI the kid's face. Mm-hmm. Though I think there was, one. I think there was like strong similarities between the original and that one. This kid, yeah. I now think. I know when they move on because that's actually the first major scene is after they knocked him out. Yeah, and he came to. But anyway, so X Men First Class again, the first movie with the new cast. Um, new cast is, let's see, um, James McAvoy. Yeah. James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender or Fassbender who plays uh, Magneto, the young Magneto or young Eric, uh, Rose Bind, Jennifer Lawrence, January Jones, Oliver Pratt. And in this one, Kevin Bacon is the primary villain. I think he did pretty well with it. Honestly. It was, I mean, yes, his acting, superb, as yeah. always. I love fucking Kevin Bacon. Oh, he is yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, but his mutations were a little weird. Yeah. What Something about his mutations that I read about Sebastian Shaw is that it is also from a nuclear reactor. Hence why he was able to do what he was doing in the movie, his, which we'll, we'll kind of get to. Yeah, his, well, his uh, background is similar to um, Beast's background, from what I've read. There were similarities, but not like to a T. Okay, okay, fair enough. All right, so starting out, like we were talking about, it's 1944. Yep. And it is in the middle of World War II. At the beginning, when they're collecting up all the Eastern European and Middle European Jews and anybody that does not follow the Nazi regime. Right. And putting them into concentration camps. So the scene is uh, they are in Poland, um, in the Poland concentration camps, collecting up all the Jews and separating the children from the parents, primarily during this particular section of the scene. Mm-hmm. And as, they, of course, they pull young Eric, which looks about between the ages of five and seven, or at least in the original he did, and, it, and yeah. to me it would be the same time, so obviously between, I'll say between seven and eight. Yeah, I'd say about he's like, like just about to be a preteen because in, that's in scene, that scene in in that scene i think that's mostly when like the common denominator of all mutants when their powers like manifest yeah, right at their prepubescent uh right before they hit puberty or yeah. during their puberty time frame in the x-men universe is when everything starts to really manifest yeah that or something or uh traumatic yes yes and in this case it for Eric Leshner was a traumatic incident of him uh, being separated forcibly from his parents. That was the beginning of it. It didn't. Yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But yeah. yeah. 
So this is when it was first known that he had the ability to manipulate metal. Because once he was separated from his mother and father, they were carted off through the gates. Gates were closed, and they were separating the kids probably to either put them into uh, re- I, mental reallocations, mm-hmm. um, basically training them to be Nazi children. Right. But um, at that point, he got overwhelmed with emotion and reached out and bent the steel and metal cage or gate uh, into oblivion almost. And then shortly after, he got knocked out because he had about, what, four or five grown-ass Nazis holding him back and he was still being dragged. I think it was four and then the fifth one came up and... Hit him with the butt of the gun. Okay. All right. So next scene after that is actually when Charles, young Charles, was laying in his bed in the family mansion. You can't. Well, he was in bed. Well, no, didn't they go more into the scene after he gets hit in the head? It was after. Oh, it was after. Okay. So they... Um. Or was it? It was before. I'm sorry. You're right. I apologize. I am wrong. It was before because they did part of it before and then they cut to Charles and then they cut back to finish it out. Okay. Okay. So right after he woke up or he was being caught or standing in front of Sebastian Shaw, which was Schmidt during 1944. Um, as a scientist uh, of the Nazi regime. Right. And he was in the dialects in German, of course, with subtitles, if you haven't watched it yet. And what was going on was uh, Sebastian was trying to get Eric to recreate what he'd done, but with a Nazi five pence or five dollar coin yeah and which was i believe silver or steel i can't remember at the time i think it was silver because i remember like like in world two like they took all of like the valuable metals from those and then melted them down for their own purposes i believe that's right so either way it was a metal coin with the nazi five stamp on it um And he's like, move the coin. And, of course, he couldn't really do it. And then they split to the other scene in England with young Charles, who looked to be at this time. All right, so the Eric's uh, child standing in front of Sebastian looked to be about 13 to 15. Yeah. Because he was taller, Mm -hmm. um, more mature than the one from the gated scene. Yeah. Um, but anyway, fast forward to the next scene, which is Charles in bed in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. gets woken up by different things. It's not really clear what actually woke him up, except for there was a noise after he woke up outside of his room. I think it was like he heard, um, his mother's thoughts. That's right. I think that's what it was, and then you hear the noise. Okay. So either way, he wakes up, hears the noise, goes downstairs to find his mother in the kitchen, and that already set him off in a weird way, and then she turns around real nice to him and offers him ice cream, I believe it was. Uh, Yes, I believe so. And, of course, he looks at her and is like, who are you? Because my mother wouldn't be caught dead in a kitchen. It was hot chocolate. Thank you. Um, yes. Uh, so wasn't... Um, he was like, you're not my mother. She wouldn't be caught dead in a kitchen. And she always got the housemaid to get me hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. And that's when Raven appears in her child form, which looks about a year or so younger than the child Charles. So between five and six, Charles being about seven, eight. 
Yeah. No. No. He I had think... to be over nine because he discovered his powers at nine. <laughs> so much wrong with that, though. So much yeah. wrong. I know all these things. And, and that, but, um, that yeah. time frame or that age will be explained in the next movie of the new cast, by the way. But um, yeah, I think I think Raven is about maybe like seven or eight. Charles is maybe nine or ten. And then Eric is around like... Thirteen to fifteen? Mm, I'd say Like around, right at puberty because... Like twelve, thirteen, maybe fourteen. Like twelve to fourteen yeah. around there. Because like... Because his voice is pretty deep for a German Jew. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, so he, he's he's got a few years like on preteen, right at the teenage years. Yeah, like right so. There. There's about a four to, from what it appears. Now, of course, they don't actually say their ages during this. Yeah, uh, these scenes, but from appearance, it looks like Eric is about four to five years older than Raven and Charles. Right. At yeah. At this so, point, in 1944. Yeah. Now, of course, there's plenty of sources out there that uh, could tell you what their ages were, like when they were all born according to lore and everything else. You can look it up. I'm just going off of what they appear in the movies. So, um, and that's where the iconic phrase, you don't have to steal anymore. Mm-hmm. Because Charles offers her a home, Shows her that she's not the only one, which, of course, during these early times, that's what every mutant thought, that they were the only one. Yeah. It wasn't so out there. And then it cuts back to Eric and Sebastian in Sebastian's office, Shaw's office, or Schmidt, during the Nazi time frame of World War II. And... He's like, I knew it. After, well, I'm sorry. Eric still couldn't move the coin. Mm -hmm. So he's like, well, the Nazis must have got something right in their methods because of what happened earlier. So he goes to the door, calls in Nazi guards with Eric's mother Mm -hmm. in internment clothes. She looks like, and it looks like it's been a couple of years since the original scene because she's very frail looking. Mm-hmm. kind of worked to death. Yeah. And, of course, he's like, I'm going to count to three and then pull the trigger. Yeah. And she's trying to encourage him to do whatever it is, Not, is, I'm assuming not really knowing what's going on at this point. I think she caught a glimpse. I think she saw... The cage. I think she the, saw the fence the, move. The fence move. I think she saw it, but, like, wasn't entirely sure... So as all this is going down, you know, she's trying to encourage him and he's trying and he's trying and like the slow countdown and you see it and you're like, no, he's not going to do it. And the next thing you know, yeah, shoots her. You don't really see the, the entry or anything. It's nothing graphic, but you see her body fall. Um, and that's when, of course, Eric goes into rage mode and starts shaking everything in the room next in the glass room next to him, mm-hmm. the glass walled room next to him, which is metal tape, like surgical tables, surgical tools for um, dissection, all that kind of, it looks like a horror room basically. Yeah. Um, you see all that shaking and then Eric turns around, crushes the Nazis, the two Nazi guards helmets on them Mm-hmm. And then persist to destroy everything in the other room. Mm-hmm. Leaving, or no, I'm sorry. The first thing was the bell. The bell yeah. he used to ring in the guards. Right. Then the guards' helmets, and then everything in the room. Yeah. Because like when he crushes the bell, he's not even using his hands. Yeah. Like he's just he's just raging. He's literally just raging, and then. Klaus is like, you know, he says it in German, but he says, wonderful. And then, but then he just escalates from there. By the way, if you don't know, wonderful in German is wunderbar. Yes. Uh, Anyway, uh, and then, of course, Klaus or 
yeah. Sebastian Shaw. Well, his name during that was Klaus Schmidt, and then yes. he changed it. Yeah, over the next, like, 20 years. Yeah, pretty or much. It was actually 18 years, according to the movie. Oh, okay. So, uh, after that, he walks off with Eric, and, or in he walks off. He just walks towards the other room and was like, oh, we're going to make such a great team. I'm going to get you right. You're going to use your powers, blah, blah, blah. Through... I think what blood and pain or pain and anger? Yeah, something, something like, along those yeah, lines. Yeah, he did. That was the last phrase or line before the scene cut. Yeah, and then the scene cut. Nineteen sixty-two. Um, I think it said. I can't remember the location, but the scene cuts back to Eric. Eighteen years later, he's in France. Okay. And he's now uh, air juggling with his powers that same coin that he was given. Because the uh, last visible part of the previous scene was Klaus or Shaw putting the coin in Eric's hand and it's sticking while his palm was open. Mm-hmm. And it's vertical, almost like, like he was just shaking his hand. So, But 18 years later is 1962. That is... Depicted on screen as the scene changes with Eric now juggling between his fingers in without making contact the coin. Uh, so up to this part, everything with Eric, what do you think about all that? It really does um, show how he became the way he became. Like, it really gives more of the story. Because in the older ones, you see, um, like, with the the mutants with the tattoos. Mm-hmm. And he showed him his, um, the, uh, the, the numbers on his arm. He says that no one will ever do that. You know, no one ever marked me again. You just see, you just think, oh, okay, he's a Holocaust survivor. That's why. Now we get to see... More of what happened. The, what like, happened to him. Yeah, what happened to him. Like, more of the reason why he is more, I guess, I guess you could call it, like, pro-mutant. Mm-hmm. I guess you could call it like that. And has such a hatred for humans. Like, how it escalated from there. Yeah. Because even though he can attest to his powers being brought out by humans... Mm-hmm. It was over hate and anger that is what brought his powers to light. Yeah. Versus everybody else, it was just kind of natural. Yeah. All right, so next scene after this is Charles and his young adulthood. Yep. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> For audio listeners, Joker had to sneeze. Sorry about that. Shut up. I'm cutting this anyway. Uh, Anyway, um, so it's now at Charles being a man whore. And in a bar somewhere in the UK, I'm guessing. Mm, Yeah. I think it's like, what, London? Yeah, whatever. Because he just got done with his um, thesis. uh, Well, he was working on it. He, He hasn't gotten all that yet. Oh, that's right. He's running towards it. But he's in a bar, um, and there's a human uh, with the different color eyes. What is that? Heterochromia? Yeah, something like that. And he's using the line, oh, it's a wonderful thing, blah, blah, blah. I want to sleep with you because you're beautiful just the way you are, all this other stuff. And it's like what mutant or mutant and proud. Yeah. Well, at that point, the young adult or teenage Raven is walking in and stepping between them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Very, very jealous. Yeah. Um, and in later dialect says it was an accident that she changed her eye, one of her eyes, to catch the girl's uh, acknowledgement towards her, saying, oh, you have it too. Yeah. And then the, the human girl was saying, 
mutant and proud. Yeah. And of course, Raven being Raven, um, snarked at that as they were leaving the bar. Yeah. All right. So that scene, that was interesting because to me, seeing that was to me the first time that Raven showed love interest between that and the following scene when they're back at the apartment showing love interest towards Charles. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a there's there's definitely like hints of it there. Especially when they get back to their apartment and she was brushing her teeth in a robe and he he's well, that, that, that's on at stuff. his mansion. Oh, well at the mansion, whatever. <laughs> uh, but she's in the bathroom brushing her teeth. He's right outside the door in the living space that is right next to it. And she walks out while he's got his nose in a book and was like, would you date me? Well, yeah, you're beautiful. Yeah. Any man would be happy to date you. And then she's like, like this blue, red hair in her true form. Yeah. He's like, what? Or what 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 is it? What? Blue. Oh, yeah. Blue? And then she changes into her human form. Yeah. And he's like, now you're beautiful. Yeah. And, of course, that pissed her off. Yeah. So she lays on him and says, read to me, or I'm tired, I'm going to sleep, lays on him. She says, read to me. And he's like, well, I'm working on my thesis. And then she... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, well, then read that. That always sends me right off. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Okay. So now we're moving on to Vegas. Same time frame. This is all in 1960s, early 1960s. And they are now, we're now in Vegas. Is that the next scene? Mm-hmm. Because this is where we meet. This is where we meet, um... Moira. Yeah. But instead of being a scientist or a doctor, she is a CIA agent. Mm-hmm. So hiccup number one. Uh, There's a lot of hiccups, but we're going to keep going. But they're in Vegas. They're at a renowned uh, casino slash... Um, Hellfire Club. Yeah. And so her male partner's... Uh, surveillance with binos. They see a general, or yeah, general or colonel. Colonel. Uh, it was a it was a high official within the Pentagon. It was like uh, Colonel Sanders or something like that. Colonel Sanders is the chicken guy. No, like I literally. No, it think... wasn't Sanders. Who was it? I know it's in here somewhere. Oh well, you got to scroll down a bit. Oh, <laughs> not you! Damn it! Okay, let's see. Where are we at? Okay. Plot. There we go. Hellfire Club. Okay, that is... uh... Ah, Hendry. Oh, Colonel Hendry. Okay. All right, so Colonel Hendry gets out of the car, and they're like, wait, is that who that is? And he's walking with mobsters, basically. Because mm-hmm. this was, they were there to scope out mobsters, I believe, initially. They see him, and then Moira McTaggart it gets a little wild hair up her ass and gets interested. Well, of course, shortly at, or right after they see him, then they see him being escorted inside by showgirls slash call girls in lingerie. And, of course, it's just really uh, booty short type panties and bras. So she starts to strip and it's like, I'm going to use what the CIA didn't give me. (laughs) I love that. And walks in as a showgirl or call girl, however you want to look at it. Oh, wow. They left out a scene. Which one? The one where Eric goes to the bank and when he goes to the villa in uh, Italy. 
That's later. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's after this scene that we're talking about now. Because I wrote it down. Huh. I sworn it was before. All right. Anyway, so when they get in the club, then we see Emma Frost, a very adult Emma Frost in the 60s. I think that's like who she's supposed to be, like the age-wise that she's supposed to be. So I'm going to, again, this is just by view of her, the actress on screen, Mm-hmm. Uh, look to be mid to late 20s or early 30s. Yeah. And um, as she gets in, brings Colonel Hendry in to a secret room to talk to Sebastian Shaw, same person as Schmidt earlier, mm-hmm. um, that dealt with Magneto or young Eric. Um, she shows off her or she's using her mind control on him in some aspects, but hasn't really shown herself. Neither has Eric mm-hmm. or not. I mean, excuse me, neither has Shaw until Riptide shows up, which is gray suit, human looking, um, real sixties kind of style to him. Yeah. And, um, He's Shaw offers or tries to convince Hendry to convince the Pentagon to put nukes near Russia because this was pre Cold War, but also part of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And this is alluding to the Cold War not being the Cold War. Anyway, well not convincing Hendry, then Riptide uses a whirlwind and is like, hey, pushes him back because Hendry asked for another glass of wine. And then Emma uses her powers, Mm -hmm. calls for Asriel. Azazel. Azazel. Shoot, I don't know why I said Azrael. But yeah, Azazel, close. who in this depiction is very devil-like. Red skin, black hair, tail, all of that. And he has the teleporting ability of, uh, very similar to Nightcrawler with the poofs in there. Yeah. By the way, this is Nightcrawler's father. For anybody listening. In the comics. In the comics. Yeah. There's no uh, mention of him yet, obviously, because this is well before Nightcrawler's time, officially. Oh, it's it's never been confirmed in the movies. Yeah. Sadly. But timeline-wise, this is well before Nightcrawler even existed. However, we'll find out in later movies, it's not so much. Nightcrawler, from his appearance and age in the later movies would be about 10-ish right now in the 60s. Mm. Or is he like 5? But he is born he, he technically. Would, he would, in this, he would be the same age as Scott. He'd be a teenager. Like, he would be, well, in later movies, he'd be a teenager. But uh, right now, he would probably be like, maybe, yeah, maybe 5. Maybe six. Okay. All right. So now, after this scene, when um, Azazel takes Hendry back to the Pentagon by the poofs, which is 3,800 miles away, because they're on, obviously, the Pentagon is on the other side of the country from where they're at. Um, Moira calls her boss, I guess, who's actually at the Pentagon. Mm Mm-hmm. And was saying, Hendry's here, blah, blah, blah. He's in cahoots with bad people. And then her boss is like, well, how is that possible when he's sitting right here in this meeting? Mm-hmm. Unless he could travel at 3,800 miles in a blink of an eye, you're crazy. She's not crazy. 
and it happened, but they don't know that yet because mutants aren't really a thing yet to the world. Right. All right, so now is the bank scene. Okay. So go ahead and talk about that one. So then we come to the scene where Eric is coming to a bank in France. This bank is where uh, Sebastian Shaw holds his money. And in order for Eric to get in, he has a solid gold bar with the Nazi symbol on it. Now, the at first, the bank guy, you know, tries to be like, this. we're not that kind of bank, blah, blah, blah. But soon... Eric manages to, um... You did mention it had Nazi symbolism on it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it had the swastika on it. It was uh, considered to be one of the um, lost uh, gold bars that were remelted down from ancient relics. Yeah, because when he asked, uh, when the bank guy asked, Eric went on to say, you know, these are from, you know, stolen basically stolen gold from my people, you know, so and so forth. And then the guy, I think, does he see his tattoo? Is it? Not yet. So he was uh, basically saying that this was um, located, but then he hinted or eluded in metaphor to the fact that I got your information from a guy that you've dealt with for a similar situation. Right. And basically blackmailing saying, Hey, I know you're, you're a shit bank and you're going to take this. Otherwise I'm going to tell on you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he be, and this person is one and only Sebastian Shaw. So when he tries to get the information from, the bank guy. The bank guy is very reluctant at first. <laughs> Until Eric gets up and walks around and goes towards him say, and uses his metal abilities to get well, basically grasp a filling. Oh, first it was the alarm. Oh, that's right. That's showed it. Showed oh, that's right. When he first showed it, um, the bank guy, after he realizes, you know, who Eric is, or rather, what he is, he go he goes to push the alarm, but uses his metal abilities to uh, his use his metal abilities to use to lock his uh, watch. watch around his wrist. Yeah, and keep him from moving his hand forward more to the button. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were going to keep going. So he uses that to stop him from pushing it. So then he gets up and walks towards him. To which then he uses his abilities stating, you know, where is he? Yeah. Where is Schmidt at this point? Because at the previous point, he went by Klaus Schmidt. So he's looking for Schmidt. And as he's asking where he is... Through guys saying, I don't know, I don't know. Till finally, Eric senses a piece of metal in his mouth. And makes a crack about, uh, what, not a gold filling, afraid somebody will steal it. And then, as he's tearing this filling out, the guy tells him, Schmidt's in Argentina. That's where he is. That's where he is. But Eric doesn't stop and pulls the thing straight out. I thought that was pretty cool, honestly. Yeah. And then, um, as Eric's leaving the bank, he's like, "And if he's not, if you don't tell anybody, I'm coming. Because if you do, I will find you and I will kill you, basically." Yeah, pretty much. And tosses back the filling. I think. Did he give it back to him? I think he dropped it on the desk. Okay. Or dropped it on him. Either way, um, I don't think he walked off with it completely. Yeah. All right. So, um, next scene, 
the next major scene was we get more of Moira McTaggart um, as I'm guessing back at the CIA headquarters. They're talking about, well, they need this is mutant stuff, blah, 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 mutant genetics. We need an expert. And then it goes to Eric getting his title as professor. Charles. Yeah. Well, yeah. I said Eric. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Charles, um, where he gets his title as professor mm-hmm. and, of mutant genetics. Mm-hmm. And... Then his party celebration at another tavern where he's drinking from a very uh, like a bong. Tube. Yeah, bong. It, it's a, it's a basically a, what looks like a test tube with a bald end, but it's very long, kind of like a like Germans would drink from a boot. Uh, yeah, das Boot. <laughs> um, but this is obviously not Germany. This is the uh, UK. Yes. Uh, he's drunk. She shows up, and he tries to swoo her with his little mutant, uh, human mutant mutation speech, and it doesn't work. Then he reads her mind. She's like, "Well, if you're too drunk, we can I can come back or blah blah blah." And then he's like, "No, I want to help you." Mm-hmm. So, him and Raven in her human form go to, I guess, CIA headquarters and talk to her boss, which is the director of the CIA in the sixties. Yep. Uh, talking, he's doing a presentation on mutant genetics. They're not impressed. He reads their minds. Oh, it's a circus show act. Yeah. And they're getting ready to throw everybody, throw them out saying he's a spy, blah, blah, blah. Then Raven stands up and changes into her, or changes into one of the heads at the table. Stryker. Daddy Stryker? That is William Stryker. Mm-hmm. The one she changes into is William? Ugh. Mm-hmm, because that is the version of William Stryker, because as he's going through, like he's reading the minds and he's going through everything, Charles mentions his son, Jason. See, that's the problem with this and the next movie because this is an old striker. Mm-hmm. And then it's in Apocalypse where we see a younger striker. And in uh, Days of Future Past, mm-hmm. which is set in the 70s. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place, man. Because this is the 60s. William Stryker looks to be mid-40s in this one. Mm-hmm. Where he was mid-50s in the original series. Mm-hmm. And brings it back, what, maybe 10 years to the 40s in Last Stand? No, in... Last uh, Stand. He's not, like... in, not in Last Stand. In the 80s with Origins Wolverine, he's about 30s. Now he's back to 40s. Origins, I think he's in his 40s, maybe late 40s, from the looks of him. We'll say mid. Yeah, we'll say mid. Um, But back to the 60s, he's back in his late 40s. Mm-hmm. And then when we jump to the 70s for the next new cast movie, which is Days of Future Past, mm-hmm. he looks like he's in his damn 20s. Mm-hmm. And... From that point on is when it's actually making sense again with the timelines. Uh-huh. Oh my god, this shit is fucking stupid. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't realize that was Striker? No, I didn't at yeah. all. This is why I uh, watch movies with subtitles on. You catch a uh, lot of things. <laughs> oh my god. Mm-hmm. Alright, anyway, so they're going to cart them off to a facility because the guy in the back says, I have a facility for that. Yeah, because they want them somewhere secure. Yeah. And, of course, in the process, um, Moira is let go to go do her CIA duties. And guy from the back, which I can't remember who that is. Mm, I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name either. I mean, he ends up dying anyway. Um, Spoiler alert. But, uh, man healing from the sun 
That's what happens when you got a bald head. And you're fucking pale as an Irishman. Yeah, I do. Um, anyway, so... Uh, let's see, where are we at on time? Oh, we're at an hour, so... At this point, um, they're being escorted back. They're walking willingly. Of course, there's guys going off about his little hard-on for mutants, that they're actually real, blah, blah, blah. In the process, Charles freezes time for the first time Mm -hmm. that we see in, I guess, the timeline of everything so this would be the 60s again yeah and he freezes everybody to talk to moira uh once he talks to her he's like meet me on the third floor of the parking deck uh we need to go now and they're still walking mark moira pulls up and it's like yeah i've been talking to her this whole time he's like what how is that possible? And you want to see another magic trick because he didn't want to get in the car. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> Jedi, the- mi- Jedi mind trick, get in the car. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and gets in the back. Um, so we'll cut here, do break. So how's everybody doing? Holy hell. What do y'all think about the movie thus far? Or if you've been following along. It's my favorite. They did good by it. They did they did justice by it. Yeah, I'll give it to them. I like what they did. Like, there are some things that I wish that were different. Like, th- a side note for Charles, his power didn't manifest. I think I said this in the last um, episode. But his powers did not manifest until his mother died. And that's when he started, like, that's when it started. That's the lure side of it. Yeah, that's the lure side of it. And I'm just like, ugh. So I'm, like, and, like, the whole thing with Juggernaut and everything, I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. Just a little bit here, just a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, and then, like I said, we get the actual movie timeline of when Charles got his powers and when he understood his powers. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Which was preteens, by the way. But we'll go more into depth once we get to Days of Future Past, because that's when it's actually mentioned that I'm aware of. I believe so. Or the hard mention of it. Yeah, because Apocalypse is when it's the basically like Gene and Cyclops and Beast and all them. That's mm-hmm. more of the focus. And Nightcrawler. Yeah. And Storm. Just all of them, basically. Yeah, the first real concept of Storm, Young Storm, comes out in Apocalypse. Yeah. So, but I think they, they, I think they did good from what they had and from what they're going on. I think for people who don't know the lore and like people who don't like follow the comics, mm-hmm. I think they did pretty good. Yeah, they they, they gave a good explanation. Because then you can go back and look at the other movies and be like, oh, that's why Magneto is the way he is. Yeah, and this is still confusing, too, because, like, with Emma Frost, depending on where you start with her or the understanding of who and what she is. Yeah, I think that's... She's, like- she's a little older than she should be in the 60s. However, yeah. she is very much an adult during the early years of the X-Men. Yeah. And she's got, I forgot until you mentioned it, um, her multiple trick mutant powers. Mm-hmm. Um, the crystallization of her body, which protects her from most things, mm-hmm. but also protects any telepaths from entering her mind. Mm-hmm. And then her ability telepathically to control others as well. Not only just control them or read their minds, but also project images, cause hallucinations mm-hmm. that feel, look, and seem real. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was confirmed that it's not just a crystallization of her skin or her body, but her body turning to diamond. Yeah. 
hence why she's able to um, use it as a shield for most things. Um, but it also later on, once we get to some later scenes, uh, very much shows how brittle she really is in that form as well. Yeah, I was very surprised by that, but like, because like the sheer force of the scene that we'll get to eventually is just like holy crap. Because it takes a lot of pressure to crack a diamond once it's formed. Yeah, and he had some gnarly cracks going on oh, yeah. around her neck. That was just like, because if he would have squeezed any more, her neck would have popped <clears throat> off. Yep. Just clean off.